Welcome to the Shortwave Report. I'm your host and producer, Dan Roberts. The Shortwave Report is a 30-minute review of news and opinion heard on the shortwave radio and the internet in Northern California. Listening to international broadcast at home is quite easy. You just need a shortwave radio with the schedule of English language broadcast or a computer or smartphone with an internet connection. To help you with this, I'll announce times, frequencies, and website addresses at the conclusion of each series of stories. At the website for this show, that's outfarpress.com. You can listen to the past five shortwave reports, find advice for listening to shortwave at home, and find internet links for global news sources. Please check it out and tell a friend. In today's edition, you'll hear reports from France 24, Germany. Radio Deutsche Welle, Radio Havana Cuba, NHK World Radio Japan, and George Galloway. We will begin with France 24. Germany has begun running the first hydrogen-powered train line with many more on the way. The French transportation minister is calling for regulation of private jets, which emit 10 times more CO2 per passenger mile than commercial flights. France 24. Environmentally friendly travel is picking up speed. And it's Germany that's leading the charge with the first ever rail line to be entirely powered by hydrogen. France has also had a role to play. The fleet of 14 trains were produced by the French company Alstom. Well, I'm extremely satisfied, extremely happy uh, with this world premiere because this is the first train in serial production being used every day by uh, passengers. And, and I think it will completely uh, change the way we look at trains and in particular it will open and pave the way for a complete transformation of all diesel trains into hydrogen electrified trains. Hydrogen trains are said to be the greenest trains out there as the exhaust emission is pure water. The new fleet, which costs 93 million euros, will avoid generating 4,400 tonnes of CO2 emissions each year. That's according to the network's operator. We can and will become the state with the most amount of energy in the whole of Germany. Not only when it comes to the production of renewable energy, but most importantly, its use in an intelligent way. These trains are a good example of this. The train's next destination will be Frankfurt. They will also be making a stop in Italy and France, where Alstom has signed contracts for several dozen trains. Singer Taylor Swift, director Steven Spielberg, and France's LVMH billionaire Bernard Arnault and media mogul Vincent Bolloré all came under heavy online criticism this summer for their emissions-heavy trips by private jet. France's transportation minister has taken notice and is calling for regulation in the name of climate equity. I think we need to act and regulate flights taken in private jets. They're becoming the symbol of a two-tiered system when it comes to effort. Several ideas are on the table, asking owners to commit to limiting their flights, forcing them to be transparent by publishing their flight itineraries, and imposing taxes and carbon quotas at the European level. All options that France's Green Party says don't go far enough. They point to billionaires like Bolloré, who earlier this summer made five flights in a single day.
We're talking about people who have fortunes of about 1.3 billion euros on average. So if it's a question of asking them to pay a small toll, it won't change much. That's why I think we need a ban, a ban on flights taken on a whim. We need to bring them back down to earth. Analysts say the French government won't consider a ban given the economic importance of France's private aviation sector. It's a sector of hundreds of thousands of people. First, there are the companies that make these private jets like French manufacturer Dassault. Then there are the operators and the airports. One out of every 10 planes that takes off in France is a private jet. According to the NGO Transport and Environment, the private planes emit on average 10 times more CO2 per passenger than commercial flights. Those reports were from France 24. France 24 may be easily found at their website, france24.com, as well as a YouTube channel called France 24 English. On to Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle. It has been World Water Week at a time of droughts and heat waves. A researcher from the Stockholm Resilience Center discusses the need to maintain the global fresh water cycle, which is losing its resilience from deforestation and climate change. The last few weeks have seen record heat waves in China and Europe, and it could be a preview of the future. Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle. It's World Water Week, and unprecedented droughts and heat waves have put water scarcity in sharp focus. Worldwide, more than 2 billion people lack access to clean water, and water-scarce regions suffer from acute hunger, poor sanitation, and disease. For more, I'm joined now by Lan Wang Erlandson. She's a researcher at the Stockholm Resilience Center, where she studies the role of water for the world's ecosystems. Thanks for being with us. Now, humans need water, as do all living things. Do you think it's possible, though, for us to continue using all the water we need in a sustainable way without wrecking the planet? Yes, I think the question, I would turn it around. I think we tend to think of water as the water we use for drinking and washing, but human needs water um, beyond that. We need water cycle to keep our agriculture going. We need the water to stay in the same way so that our infrastructure design uh, can keep that way. And we also need the land system to continue to absorb carbon and not release it. So all these needs must uh, be balanced. Uh, we know ways to use water without degrading or polluting it. And we have the means to stop destabilizing water cycles through climate change and deforestation. So I would say that we are not competitors with the planet. We live in symbiosis. And our fate is so tied to the planet that we, we simply cannot fulfill our needs if we wreck the planet. So it goes hand in hand. You warned, though, that human interference in the water cycle, like we're seeing now, could result in the biosphere losing its resilience. What does that mean exactly? Yes. So, for example, we see that in the Amazon that is becoming increasingly drier. So the trees that are dying and drying that very bad at generating rainfall and capturing carbon emissions. So they are, uh, so to speak, stop absorbing carbon and instead emitting within the next two decades. And this is happening faster than we probably saw. So this is a very good example of a biosphere losing its resilience. In less academic language, we could perhaps say that ecosystems that lose the resilience are similar 
to people that have a worsening health, so they become more vulnerable to perturbations such as a bad drought or bad flu in the human case and less capable to recover after such an event. Okay, so the water cycle is absolutely essential to maintain. Do you see sufficient action, though, being taken by humans to sustain the water cycle as we know it? Short answer, unfortunately not. Uh, we are still heading towards a three degrees warmer world, which will wreck uh, the Earth's water cycle, for example. Um, so we need to clearly do much more to phase out the greenhouse gas emissions, prevent deforestation and protect our ecosystems to help maintain the water cycle and serve us well in many ways. So what would you recommend right now that the world needs to do most urgently to address this problem? There are not one thing, but we need to act on all those human pressures quite quickly, both in climate change and ecosystem protection and our management in agriculture. We want to move fast so that we don't trigger the kind of self-amplifying feedback that we see in the Amazon, for example, the one I mentioned. So we want to help the forest to continue to help absorb carbon rather than releasing it um, so that they continue to be our friends rather than our foe. That would be devastating. Okay, thank you so much. That was Lanwang Erlandsen, a researcher at the Stockholm Resilience Center. It is not just China that is facing record temperatures. Much of Europe has suffered through repeated heat waves in recent weeks, and that's hit economies hard, whether through reduced river traffic, dried up farm fields, or destructive wildfires. It is a taste of what warming temperatures could bring the continent in the years ahead. Living in water-scarce regions in Europe will increase by 50% by the year 2050. Those reports were from Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle, which may be heard at a combined audio-video website, DW.com, as well as on YouTube at their channels called DW News and DW Documentary. Next, Radio Havana, Cuba. Brazilian presidential candidate Lula da Silva promised to contain the deforestation of the Amazon basin by stopping illegal mining. Lula criticized politicians who use religious faith as a political platform and that the state must remain secular. A Brazilian Supreme Court judge ordered the arrest of eight businessmen who are promoting a coup d'etat if Lula wins the election in October. Radio Havana, Cuba. During a press conference in Sao Paulo, the Brazilian Workers' Party, the PT, presidential candidate Lula da Silva promised to contain the deforestation of the Amazon basin through a forceful fight against illegal mining in Brazil. Quote, we are going to put an end to illegal mining, Lula said, and pledged to work to stop the destruction of the Amazon rainforest, which has accelerated due to President Bolsonaro's pro-market policies implemented since 2019. The leftist candidate, who is the favorite to win the October 2nd elections, added, it is not necessary to cut down a tree in the Amazon to raise cattle or plant soybeans or corn. To contain the destruction of the Amazonian ecosystems, Lula will create an indigenous people's ministry and re-establish the institutions and norms destroyed by Bolsonaro, a far-right ruler who defends the exploitation of natural resources even inside indigenous territories. 
Sonia Guajajara said, Illegal mining is a tumor growing in our country. Bolsonaro's incentive to illegal mining has exacerbated violence against the indigenous peoples. Misrule continues to exterminate people who protect and fight for the future. See what Bolsonaro has transformed Brazil into. Once again, we are threatened by the hatred this man promotes. We don't want violence to rule this country. Brazil's presidential candidate Lula da Silva criticized politicians who use religious faith as a political platform. His position was expressed at a time when his rival Jair Bolsonaro carries out such practices to attract votes. Quote, I defend the secular state. The state should not have religion and churches should not have political parties, the politician said during a rally in the Anhangabua Valley in the city of Sao Paulo. Although he did not mention names, he stated that, quote, there are people who use the church as a political stage or company to make money. Lula da Silva commented, quote, when I want to talk with God, I don't need parents or pastors. I can lock myself in a room and talk to God for as many hours as I want without needing any favors. According to several polls, Lula is ahead in the voting preferences of Brazilians. Lula, who has served as president of Brazil from 2003 to 10, considered that the church is an institution that should remain outside of the state, for which he criticized the defense of promotion of, quote, the candidacies of false prophets or Pharisees who are denying the people the whole day. Jair Bolsonaro, who is seeking re-election, has on many occasions appealed to evangelical speeches to win the voting preferences of thousands of religious Brazilians. Last year, he stated that, quote, only God will be able to remove me from the presidency. Brazilian Supreme Court Judge Alexandre de Moraes has ordered the arrest of eight businessmen who spread anti-democratic messages through social networks. Besides ratifying their allegiance to far-right President Bolsonaro, these businessmen said they would support a coup d'etat if Workers' Party presidential candidate Lula da Silva wins the October elections. Judge Moraes has ordered the blocking of their bank accounts and social media accounts, the breaking of their banking secrecy, and the taking of statements from citizens who are involved in the call to break the constitutional order. Those reports were from Radio Havana, Cuba. Cuba's website is working well at radiohc.cu, though there's no podcast up there. On shortwave, Cuba may be heard from noon to 1 p.m. at 15.140 and from 6 p.m. to midnight at either 6,000, 6060, or 6165. All the times I announce are for Pacific Daylight Saving Time, so please adjust them to your time zone. On to NHK Japan. Large parts of China are engulfed by a record heat wave, shutting many industries down. A daily record number of migrants tried to enter the UK by the English Channel. An update on the Iran nuclear deal. Russians are accusing Ukrainian intelligence of assassinating the daughter of a close ally of Putin. NHK Japan Large parts of China have been engulfed by a record heat wave, putting the electricity supply under strain. Authorities in Suchuan province are extending restrictions on the use of industrial power. Major users of electricity had been ordered to suspend factory production until last Saturday. Media reports say that has been now been extended through Thursday. Some businesses are trying to cope with the situation by generating power in-house. They include Japanese firms like Toyota Motor, which has a plant in the province. The mercury dropped 40 degrees Celsius in Suchuan province 
and in the city of Chongqing on Sunday. Media say temperatures hit new highs at more than 200 observation points over the past month. Restrictions on power use are expected to remain in Chongqing until Wednesday. The Japanese conglomerate Panasonic has halted operations at its plant there. Many automobile and semiconductor-related firms are also located in the area, though the extreme heat is forecast to ease in the coming days. The number of migrants trying to enter the UK by crossing the English Channel set a daily record high on Monday. British government officials said nearly 1,300 people crossed the Channel from France in small boats. UK media say an increasing number of migrants are arriving from Albania in the Balkan Peninsula to seek employment. Over 22,500 migrants made the crossing so far this year. That's nearly double the figure from the same period last year. In April, the British government announced a plan to transfer some asylum seekers to Rwanda. It's offering the East African nation financial assistance in exchange. The first flight was halted due to legal challenges, but officials are set to move ahead with the plan. They say it'll help reduce the number of risky channel crossings and slash living costs for the migrants. The United States has responded to an offer drafted by the European Union to save the 2015 Iran nuclear deal. The U.S. under former President Donald Trump pulled out in 2018, putting the deal in limbo. The EU has been mediating between Iran and the U.S. to restore the agreement aimed at curbing Tehran's nuclear activities. Earlier this month, the EU presented to both sides what it described as its final text for a compromise. U.S. State Department spokesperson Ned Price told reporters on Wednesday that the United States' review of Iran's comments has concluded and they have responded to the EU. Iran's foreign ministry spokesperson Nasser Kanani said in a statement issued on Wednesday that Iran is carefully reviewing their response. He said after that, Iran will share its opinion on the response with the EU. White House National Security Council Communications Coordinator John Kirby told reporters, without elaborating, gaps remain, we're not there yet. Iran signed a nuclear deal with the U.S. and several other world powers, including Russia and China, in 2015. In exchange for lifted economic sanctions, Iran agreed to curb its nuclear development. Agents with Russia's security service are trying to find out who murdered the daughter of one of President Vladimir Putin's closest allies. They blame Ukrainian intelligence. Daria Dugina was killed on Saturday when a bomb planted in the car she was driving exploded. Russian media say the vehicle belonged to her father, and they say he was probably the intended target. Alexander Dugin is a political theorist who has urged Russian leaders to escalate the assault on Ukraine. He's often described as Putin's brain. He issued a statement saying, The bombing was a terrorist attack by the Nazi Ukrainian regime. Dugina was a journalist who also publicly supported what officials in the Kremlin called the special military operation. Russian agents accuse a Ukrainian woman of her murder. They say she entered the country in July, spent the past months spying on Dugina, 
and fled to Estonia. They say she was a member of Ukraine's Azov Regiment. But Azov officials say the woman has never been a member of their unit. And an advisor to Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky has called the accusation Russian propaganda. Those reports were from NHK World Radio Japan. They are now heard from 9.30 to 10 p.m. at 7355 and 6165 or on the web at www.3.nhk.or.jp. If you have questions or comments about the shortwave report or could assist me by supporting this listener-funded program, I may be reached through the website and PayPal or by writing to Dan Roberts at P.O. Box 1162, Willits, California, 95490. Please help me continue producing this show, which I freely distribute to radio stations and the Internet. Like a listener and repeat supporter in Annapolis, California did this week. Many, many thanks. We will conclude with George Galloway's Mother of All talk shows. George spoke with Garland Nixon, an American political analyst and radio talk show host on Pacifica radio station WPFW in Washington, D.C., They discuss Ukraine and how the rising tensions in the Indo-Pacific region affect it, and why many Europeans feel like they are being sacrificed by the American Empire. Garland says the European leaders have become puppets for the U.S. George Galloway. From the United States, the one and only Garland Nixon. Garland, welcome back. The international situation, could scarcely be more grave this evening. Reports of chemical or biological attack, maybe both, by Ukrainian forces on Russian forces in Ukraine, the apparently imminent danger of a full military assault by the Ukrainian military on a nuclear power plant, the announcement that any radiation leak from that plant would be treated as an Article 5 trigger by the NATO countries, bringing NATO into the war. Uh, The terrorist murder uh, of a prominent Russian journalist and commentator's daughter in Moscow, it suddenly grew very dark, didn't it, Garland? Yes, and I think... I think we could have predicted that this would be a very difficult August and September simply because it's getting very obvious at this point that um, the Ukraine military operation is uh, kind of reaching a crescendo in uh, the Donbass area that very shortly, probably within weeks, it will be clear that this thing is over in the Donbass area, that the Russians have taken the major part of Ukraine that they have, you know, effectively broken the Ukrainian military, which creates a level of desperation, particularly with the Ukrainian leadership. Also, the um, incidents that recently happened and the rise of tensions in the Pacific, I think, also create an air of desperation in the Ukrainian leadership, feeling that, you know, the tension there may cause the focus to leave Ukraine. So I think it could be be predicted that in this time period we're in, within this month, the month and a half time period, and time period leading up to the midterms, there'll be tremendous amount of desperation and there will be event after event 
that uh, is an attempt to try to, um, you know, move the needle one way or the other. I do believe, based on what I saw in, in the way that the um, Chinese responded to the Pelosi incident, that Russia and China both are going to be cool and level-headed, aren't going to take the bait and be drawn into any major conflicts. But, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens from the other sides. In the same way that the U.S. empire, that the Biden administration is sacrificing the Ukrainians as cannon fodder, they would be just as comfortable sacrificing the rest of Europe. So they could care less if some kind of a nuclear disaster happens in Europe. They, that's just something for them to be able to spin. And if a lot of Europeans die, then they'll be able to spin it even more. As far as the European leaders are concerned, it's obvious that there is no independence. One of the things that the Ukrainian military operation has demonstrated to the world is that that the European countries have no independent, that they are, their leaders are nothing but puppets for the U.S. And if the U.S. says to them, sacrifice your economies, they're willing to do it. If the U.S. says to them, sacrifice your people through a nuclear disaster like this, the answer is yes, they are, they are cannon fodder and the U.S. empire will use them as cannon fodder. And great, we're, we're all the way over here. We don't get into the nuclear fallout. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll spin it in the, uh, in the newspapers and sacrifice as many Europeans as necessary for this neocon project. It's a, it's a cynical way to view the, the, the world, but it seems to be uh, pretty appropriate. I have been in most of Europe uh, over the last uh, two to three months. In France, actually, and then south, there is bitter anger in Central and Southern Europe at the perception. It's not entirely 100% accurate because these problems were coming down the pipeline long before the Ukraine happened but the perception that their economies are being ruined by their government's response at Biden's behest to the events in the Ukraine. In every shop, cafe, restaurant, petrol station queue, every football crowd that I sat amongst in the preseason friendlies I watched, everywhere people are absolutely furious about this place that the leaders of their countries have put them in. And in Germany, 62% of the German people want the resignation of the Chancellor Schultz, little soldier Schultz, has the support of fewer than 25% of his people. 25. Joe Biden, not that much more in the US. We don't even have a prime minister ourselves at this moment. Macron has lost his majority. Draghi is out in Italy. To go back to the response of Russia and China, it seems to me that out of desperation, the US empire recognizes that this thing's fallen apart. This project's fallen apart. And in particular, the people of Europe are waking up to the reality that they have no independence and no sovereignty and that they never did. And they're going to be very, very angry, particularly going into next winter. And I believe that um, these, you know, the kinds of provocations we're seeing now are over the top the Pelosi visit, the Zafirajia nuclear power plant, et cetera. And I think the Russian and the Chinese leaders realize that time is on their side and that all they have to do is sit back, not respond to the provocations, not, you know, attack some NATO or American target that will, you know, that could cause the um, the Europeans or the Americans to get behind their government and say we have to respond to sit back and allow 
you know, as the Iranians say, thank God for making my enemies fools, allow these fools um, to take this thing in the natural direction that it, that they will take it. They have um, pretty much wiped out the illusion of democracy. This thing's falling apart and the Russians are going to sit and the Chinese are going to allow it to happen. They're going to keep their powder dry um, in spite of what I think will be repeated provocations. There's going to be no way to stop this kind of revolutionary tide that will push back against neoliberalism. Garland Nixon, as always, thanks for joining us. That interview with WPFW radio host Garland Nixon was by George Galloway, a 30-year former member of the British Parliament, whose interviews used to be on RT for many years until they were shut down by the European Union. He now posts his shows on YouTube. Search for his channel called George Galloway. One of my goals in producing this show is to encourage people like you to listen to international broadcasts, get a global perspective. You will have to look harder these days because of U.S. and E.U. prohibitions on media. Every Thursday evening, I post a new shortwave report at the website for this show. That's outfarpress.com. At my website, you can also listen to past shows. Please consider making a safe donation online through PayPal. There's a link at my website along with the podcast link and get advice for listening at home. The shortwave report, which is now in its 26th year of production, remains free to rebroadcast upon notification. The shortwave report is produced and distributed off the electrical grid in Northern California using solar panels. I'm your host and producer, Dan Roberts. Thanks for listening.